This is Carrie Gephardt, and you're listening to Five for Fruit, your five-minute fix for Reformed theology and practice. What we do here is go back, 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 back. Welcome back to another episode of Five for Fruit. We are a proud member of the Society of Reformed Podcasters. I want to encourage you, if this is the first time you're listening to Five for Fruit, first of all, go on iTunes, give it a rating, tell people what you think. Second of all, go back and start at episode eight, because in that episode, I began a series about the distinctives of being a Reformed Christian. And we talked about already the historical aspect of being a Reformed Christian, the attachment to the Protestant Reformation, and the five solas that came out of that Protestant Reformation. But now we're in a series talking about being a Reformed Christian and how it means that we're creedal or Catholic in the universal sense, that we affirm the the orthodoxy that came out of the first five councils of the early church. And we've talked already about the Apostles' Creed and the Nicene Creed. And last week we talked about the Chalcedon Formula, but today we're talking about the Athanasian Creed. The first thing that needs to be said is that even though the Athanasian Creed is called the Athanasian Creed, it was not written by Athanasius. We know this because we can, we can go back and look and see that it comes from Latin roots, and that is the western side of the church where if it was from Athanasius, it would be written in Greek, and it would come from the Eastern Greek side of the church. So it's also been called the Pseudo-Athanasian Creed for that reason. And uh, but, the re- but the name sticks because it is a good summary of Trinitarian Orthodoxy, and Athanasius was a defender of Trinitarian Orthodoxy. The second thing that needs to be said about the Athanasian Creed is that it's Foundations are not ecumenical. Uh, It was written possibly by an individual or a group, but it was not written by an ecumenical council like the Nicene Creed and the Chalcedon Formula. So there is a distinction there as well. And the third thing that I would want to say is that there are two anathemas, one at the beginning of the creed and another at the end of the creed that make people feel uncomfortable. And I would say I don't uh, I don't accept the anathemas, but I do accept the content of the creed largely as a good representation of one, Trinitarian orthodoxy and two, Christological orthodoxy. And so what the Nicene Creed begins to describe and saying that Christ and God, the Father, are of the same substance and that the Holy Spirit proceeds forth from the Father and the Son is put down in more detail in the Athanasian Creed. And then what the Chalcedon Council and the formula written down there begins to describe in the hypostatic union, the two natures of Christ, is then also put down in greater detail in the Athanasian Creed. And I want to read one section from the Trinitarian part and another piece from the Christological part. This is what the Athanasian Creed says about the Trinity. Thus the Father is God, the Son is God, the Holy Spirit is God, yet there are not three gods, there is but one God. Thus the Father is Lord, the Son is Lord, the Holy Spirit is Lord, yet there are not three lords, there is but one Lord. And then about Christ... It says this, although he is God and human, yet Christ is not two, but one. He is one, however, not by his divinity being turned into flesh, but by God's taking humanity to himself. 
He is one, certainly not by the blending of his essence, but by the unity of his person. For just as one human is both rational soul and flesh, so too the one Christ is both God and human. The Athanasian Creed is a great representation of Trinitarian and Christological orthodoxy. And I pray you guys would take some time to learn more about it. And stay tuned next week when I have Tony Arsenal from the Reformed Brotherhood podcast on for a special edition of Five for Fruit to give us a crash course in church history. Well, until then, may you bear much fruit to the glory of God. Five for Fruit is a proud member of the Society of Reformed Podcasters. Check out more members of the Society at reformedpodcasts.com. Subscribe, rate, and review Five for Fruit on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. And visit the website fiveforfruit.com to listen to past episodes and to read articles. Until next time, this is Five for Fruit, your five-minute fix for Reformed theology and practice.